you look like you lost your I child. I can't find my pencil. <laughs> your pen- oh, well, it was inside the water dropper. <laughs> At least the, the, the graphite was. I'm Josh Sigmund. And I'm Bryn Rouse. I'm a mortgage guy with a passion for helping people with their money and all things business. Bryn is my co-host. And I'm a marketing girl. I am literally obsessed with it. Oh, and Josh has showed me how to save money. Quite a bit, actually. Because of her obsession, I hired her to do my marketing. And we've worked together for 10 years. We launched Sigmund Sense in 2020, a podcast about money. It's a podcast that teaches people how to save more, give more, create wealth, and retire early. And we recorded and published 34 episodes. People liked it, and it was so fun. But most importantly, we helped people. So we're excited to announce we're doing a second season. And we're mixing things up. We're moving away from money talks to focus on all things business, leadership, management, team building, book reviews, hiring, firing, operations, motivating teams, lead generation, time management, personality profiling, closing skills, and of course money and marketing. We are inviting you to continue this journey with us and we want your input. What topics would you like to see covered? Email all of your ideas to our podcast email address, sigmundsense at gmail.com. And be sure to click that subscribe button when you visit our channels. You'll get notified when we drop new episodes. Are you ready? Season two, getting down to business. Welcome to Sigmund Sense. Welcome back to Sigmund Sense. (laughs) Uh, We are going to keep on with our conversation about sales skills in general. Yeah, we're talking about one that most salespeople are very, very, very weak at. Very weak. Very weak at. Um, So just a reminder, there's four parts to a sale, just a thought process. There's initial contact, building rapport, closing skills, and follow up, Mm -hmm. right? So those in theory, the four parts. So initial contact, obviously making the first contact, doing your sales pitch, getting the door open, getting the meeting or whatever. Making the call. Making the call. Making the call. Making the list, all that fun stuff. We covered that a couple episodes ago. Um, building rapport, mm-hmm. you know, people that like people are usually best at this area. Like if you were to poll, you know, yeah. thousand salespeople that like people, they're all going to say, I'm really great at, I'm not great at getting clients, I but if I get in front of me, <laughs> I, you know, I can make a relationship. Right. And, um, also the biggest trap that those people fall in is that they never, they never get to the sale. They never get to the point. Yep. Which, Cause they just want to be friends, friend zone. And they're nervous to go for the sale cause they don't yep. want to be offensive or whatever. And the more successful people you meet with don't want their time wasted. And that's what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Like why, why were, why were we here? We're here for an hour chit chatting about everything. And like we have nothing, there's nothing to say for it. Yeah. Yep. So building rapport is the second piece. The closing skills, which we'll get to in a couple more episodes here coming up uh, is the third piece. And then the last piece is follow up. And so um, when you really like, I've done this probably a hundred times in rooms. So this are not fictitious numbers. Uh, if I have a room full of 100 people and I said, raise your hand, and if you if you were only allowed to raise your hand one time, what percentage of people would raise their hand and say, that is my natural gift. I am naturally initial contact. It's my gift from God. Naturally, I can, I'm a rapport builder. Naturally, I've got crazy closing skills. Naturally, I'm a great follow-up mm-hmm. person. Then what it typically looks like is uh, somewhere around 10 to 15% of the room will say that they're naturally gifted at initial contact. Right. So out of every 100, there's maybe 10 that are gifted and they say that's what i love the which most which is like saying i love cold calling i love cold calling right so 10 out of 100 call it there will be for the building rapport part there's literally 60 70 yeah. percent of the room that range will say just get somebody in front of me and they're gonna like me right there's uh an, actually a pretty decent range of 10 to 15 percent that will say 
closing skills is their skill set um, that they don't really like the initial contact. They're not really great at people skills, but they're really great <laughs> at the process of sales. Yeah. Uh, and so that closing skill piece they're actually good at. And then the remaining, you know, 10% or so plus or minus is the okay. follow-up is what they're naturally gifted at. And so when you kind of walk through this process, you know, when you and I were preparing for this conversation, one of the things that, that we both agree on is there's so much time, energy, and money spent before you get to a close and follow-up is all it takes to keep somebody tight. And if you drop the ball and follow-up either before the sale or even after the sale, it is going to cost you the sale or cost you the relationship, but there's a huge cost separate of the time and energy and marketing costs before that point even happened. Yes. So dropping the ball in the follow-up is just an absolute screw up in my opinion. God, it's really it's bad. It's too darn expensive. If you never open the door in the initial contact, you wasted a phone call. Correct. If you uh, blow it at the meeting, you've wasted an hour. Right. Right. And you can try again. Right. If you blow it in trying to close, maybe you're off by pricing or product or service. You could have not been meant to be that person's yeah. salesperson anyways. But you can also but call if, and say, I made a mistake. I, made a mistake I need to, and, I need to and you can it. still preserve a relationship. Yes, right. Yes. But if you blow it with follow-up, you don't get any of the other time. Yeah. Back. Cause here's what that call looks like. So sorry that I took an hour of your time and literally forgot you the moment that I left. Yep. Can I have another shot? Yep. Yeah, no, I'm good. Yep. I'm good. Sorry. I called <laughs> like you four, I called you I called you five like times and you never called me back. That's great. That's great. That's genius as a work. It's not, it's just not great. So follow-up is necessary. Some people are good at it, most are not. Uh, there's obviously some different avenues we can talk about. You can talk about automation mm -hmm. of it is one piece of it. Uh, one of them is being more personal, like the art of the handwritten yeah. letter is missing from so many. And I think we tie in listening. Yep. Um, and here's what I mean by that. Um, if you are listening closely during your conversations, there are going to be things that you, that you'll see in the days to come or the weeks to come that remind you <laughs> of something that that person said mm -hmm. and what a great opportunity to send them a text and be like, you'll yep. never believe I just saw a green Porsche like you were yep. talking about, you know, yep. and that is a form of follow-up. It's yep. just you were listening. Yep. I love that. So yeah. So just and I also think we have to disseminate that there's two pieces of this, right? There's follow-up before the sale, like after initial contact and building rapport, but before the sale, but there's also follow-up that should be done after the sale. And, uh, I'll give you an example. Like, um, so National Association of Realtors will tell tell you that um, most, like the vast majority, like 90% of clients cannot remember the name of their loan officer or realtor five years after they bought a house. Yeah. Cannot remember the name. Okay. So what that shows you is somebody spent time, energy, money to market. They actually built rapport enough for them to stay with them to help them buy a house. And then after they bought the house, they were a checkbox. They were a yeah. number. They were a commission and they never fall up again. And the, the cost loss is that, that usually people buy and sell four to five times every five years total, every five years, four to five times in a lifetime, separate of their referrals. I mean, so they've got brothers, sisters, moms, dads, and friends. And if you, we just kept in touch and followed up with those clients after the sale, yeah. it's not the one deal. It's the 30. 
Yes, and this is where I get on my soapbox because as a marketing person, a lot of what marketing is falls in the follow-up and how are we going to make sure that we maintain and retain- Top of mind. How do we say top of mind after Mm -hmm. the sale? Mm -hmm. Yet, most often salespeople would rather go pay money- Lots of money to buy cold for meat. new cold as shit leads that take so much time to convert, and you have to call them nine thousand times only to literally drop, get the money, boom, make the sale, and then drop it like it's hot and go buy more freaking leads. No. When the the cost per deal, oh my gosh, like just send an email once a month. Yep. Like you can do that for free, bro. Like. Yep. <laughs> Or, I mean, it's just, it's bizarre. And marketing is always the first thing that like, oh, times are tight. Let's cut the marketing. Like that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't compute to me, but yet it's always where minds go. Times are really tough. We don't have enough business. Let's cut the marketing and go buy leads. Yep. So let me (laughs) show a picture for just how drastic of a business rise this can be if you just follow up after the sales. So this is literally... The, the second piece, right? Like not before the sale, the after the sale follow-up. So based on our track numbers for a decade, uh, our little loan team closes 300% of what the average loan officer does per year in just repeat business just from repeat. past clients. 300%. That's not new business. That's not builder business. That's not business partner. We are 300% more than the national average for what loan officers do on repeat business, right? And so the point is, is like, let's just talk about that. What do we do? What do we do? There's like really four things that we do. uh, Yeah. I mean, you know, first and foremost, um, so direct mail. So we start direct mailing them every single month. Um, So they're going to start getting hard mail. And, you know, I love the shift that has happened because I think there was a time period where everybody was saying, oh my gosh, like direct mail, like what are you, like 95, right? Like that's a thing of the past. Everybody went so digital that direct mail now had like this pedestal. (laughs) This pedestal. Um, And so, yeah, so we we mail to them and we have events. So we'll do a couple of events um, every single year. Um, One thing I'll point out is one thing I'm really, really big about. And these are events for past clients. For past clients, yeah. Um, I'm really big about consistency mm-hmm. and not trying to think of something new and fabulous all the time. Although there is an element of that. Um, I ch- typically try to make the same event better. So I'm not having to recreate the wheel. I'm just trying to make whatever is there a little bit more elevated. Um, but what comes with that is trust. They start to know what to expect. So mm-hmm. if you are constantly throwing out a different idea of an event or or you're constantly throwing different stuff at them, they don't really, it takes a long time for people to connect with what you're trying to accomplish, which is top of mind. Mm -hmm. And they want you, so once you start mailing to them every single month, they get used to that. Once you have the same events twice a year that look very similar in nature as far as their, the invite goes and what's gonna happen, there's trust. Now they know Mm -hmm. what to expect. They can look forward to it rather than Mm -hmm. be anxious about what's gonna happen. Um, so I think the reason a lot of follow-up doesn't happen is because of things like that, that people think, oh my gosh, well, I don't know what to say or how to say it or what to do. And it stands in their way of Mm -hmm. follow-up. Um, 
So we have our events. We have, what else we have? We have calls. We have HomeBot that, you know, videos. We'll give them. We have our videos, yeah, email email database, yeah. Um, yeah, all of the market information and things that they should know. And yeah, so it kind of tailors a little bit to every one yep. um, because the people that get the direct mail may not be into the email videos. Um, the people that want to come to events may not ever check their mail and vice versa. So mm -hmm. I think you have to have kind of different layers of. Yeah. And I think the first, the, you know, they say that what, what they say, uh, trust is gained in drips and lost in buckets. Right. And yes. so a lot of people in most industries of any kind, you know, sales wise, uh, they are bad at follow up except for bigger corporations that understand it. So, um, think about, uh, car dealerships, right? Mm -hmm. Guaranteed after you buy that car, you're going to get, a call probably within 30 days from the customer service rep to make sure that you had a great mm -hmm. experience. You're for sure gonna get uh, a couple free oil changes when you buy a new car to get you in the habit of going to the service department. They're going to be mailing to you once a year about the trade-in values of the new cars and old cars. They're gonna, um, uh, you're always gonna get your uh, warranty information. They're gonna let yeah. you know when something is out, is uh, if there's a recall but there's this constant follow-up drip follow that comes up. from that one purchase, mm -hmm. which keeps that dealership, that car type in your mind. And it's and if they do a good job of that, you're probably gonna go back. Um, that's why in Texas, you have Ford people and you have you know Chevy, <laughs> Chevy people. people. Like you go back to Chevy or you go back to Ford, <laughs> right? you don't cross the paths. It's not, not allowed here, right? <laughs> so but true. It, it's, it's just one of those examples. And yet, in the service industry, people claim to be like, I, I, like the worst one I always hear is I'm a realtor for life, right? Mm -hmm. But statistically speaking, if you can't remember their name five years later, they've done a horrible job of keeping in touch with you. It's not your fault. It's that service person, professional's fault yeah. that you're not top of mind because they didn't do a great job in the follow-up. So yeah. the other thing we have to flip to though is, is the pre-close, right? Because mm -hmm. especially in the service industry and the financial industries, there's usually, or big purchases in general, there's usually some time that passes between that first meeting and actually having a sale in the first place. So, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Ag again, there's there's something that we have to dive into as far as what's the automation look like because you have a lot of clients or a lot of leads or whatever right. that looks like, then all of a sudden there's a whole lot to do. Whole lot um, to do. If you, if there's, but automation's not enough because if it's just automation, we all know what a spam email looks like. Exactly. So that that's not really the answer. It could be a supplementation, but it's not right. the answer. So what does that look like for a, you know, personal touch? What does it look like for an initial follow-up, uh, which I'd like to dive into, which I personally do uh, thank you cards a lot. Yeah. But between thank you cards, between videos, between uh, invitations, explanations, next steps, uh, not just for us, but what, what kind of advice would you get for follow up there? Yeah. So, um, so when you said that, it reminded me of what we do, which is a new prospect checklist. Yep. Um, I love that. it's only the starting point though. So, and here's what I mean by that, like things that are on our new prospect checklist. Um, and just to give some context after we meet with a new prospect for the first time, then so it's a potential referring a partner, potential referring partner. Okay. Um, We've had a face-to-face -face appointment with them. So you built rapport. We built rapport. Um, we've prepped them that they will be on this system that we're about that I'm about to explain. Um, so they know what to expect, which I think is huge. 
Um, we come back to the office and we do the, the new prospect checklist. So it looks like a thank you note from me as a salesperson, just seen as a salesperson, um, an email to you. Hey, here, I just met with this person. Here's some bullet points about our conversation. Give them a call and introduce yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, I need to put them in multiple different places. I need to put them in Outlook. I need to put them on our accounts pyramid. I need to put them on our email distribution list. I need to add them here. There's probably five or six places that they have to go. Um, because I need every single one of those lists or places have different purposes and intention. Um, if they're not in Outlook, the first time that they send a lead, the team's not going to be able to follow up with them because they don't have their email address or their phone number and they're waiting mm -hmm. on me to give it. That's shitty customer service right off the bat. Um, they need to be invited to our next class. And if I don't put them on the database immediately, they're going to miss the invite. Um, so just a checklist of things that have to happen. Um, the checklist is not memorized and it has to be followed, right? Like a lot of times it's like, oh no, I don't need to look at it anymore because I know what's on there. No, you have to follow the checklist. Like pull it out make sure you cover everything. Um, what else is on there? Um, next follow-up date. Oh, that's a big um, one. Yeah. So what's the next, what's the next plan? What do we have? What's their birthday? And do we get their birthday on the, um, on the birthday campaign list? Did we add them their birthdays to the calendar? Did we invite them to be a part of our social media pages? <laughs> so point is there's a lot that we do in the beginning to like bear hug and bring them into our world mm -hmm. because here, and this is, this is why exactly what you alluded to earlier the more people you have, the more prospects you have, the more clients you have, the more there is to do. There is going to be a time where your day hits the fan. You can't stay on track. You can't make the calls you're supposed to make. You need to have a backup plan. That's on autopilot. That's on autopilot. Yep. Has to. And so you can also continue to prospect because you're going to be in appointments. You're going to, you know, you're going to be on the phone and yep. you can't necessarily, you know, you want to make sure that there's a solid plan and next steps to keep that relationship moving forward. So that way you don't get in that awkward lull of like, they haven't sent me any deals. I thought I closed. Maybe I didn't close. Maybe, maybe they were telling me what I want to hear. Mm -hmm. How do I go back now and say, yep. Hey, can we like redo that first appointment? You can't do that. So you got to yep. like put things in place to move the relationship forward, yep. um, which is huge. That's a huge piece of it. So, if you're listening and you're like, well, I don't have time, energy, or money to do that, let me tell you that it took 10 years to get that, right? Yeah. Like it took time, energy. We, we basically came up with a dream list years ago before mm -hmm. I even hired you when we were sitting at uh, having coffee or breakfast. <laughs> and here's the 140 things that I'm not doing. <laughs> so many And things. here's the things we have to start checking off and, and the list gets smaller and smaller And I still time. have a wish list. Of course. We still have a wish course. list of stuff. Um, so let me kind of say, like, let's use a starting point. Like anyone working out of their garage can do what I did. And this is for selling widgets. I don't care. Don't care. But what I did when it comes to people, like how do you follow up and stay in touch with and track the relationships of people is all I did is I made an Excel spreadsheet with mm -hmm. four columns. And the four columns were the name, the number, and then shoot, shoot six. Name, number, and then the four. Uh, week one, week two, week three, week four. So there's six mm -hmm. columns. Week one, week two, week three, week four, though, was broken down into... Mail, call, visit, email. Yeah. Right? So what that meant was as I added relationships over time, mm -hmm. clients over time that I wanted to stay in relationship with, my whole game was I need to touch everyone on this list every single week. 
And my goal was to not do the same thing more than once more a than month. More than once, yeah. Right? So just like you would leave an appointment, now you're adding them to six different things. Right. I was by myself, new little rookie salesperson, business owner at the time. And how do you start that process of follow-up when you suck, as pro- which is my problem. I'm very, very bad at follow-up, so I have to have a process. Yeah, I have to have a process. It was I'd add them to that thing. And so week one would be a thank you card. So, Bryn, thank you so, mm-hmm. so much for being with me. And I want you guys to listen to this. There's an art to the thank you card uh, because if you listen in the appointment, then it's really easy to write a great card. Yes. So, Bryn, it was so great to, to meet with you. I know your time is super valuable, so the hour at Starbucks was su- very, very, very worthwhile to me. It was great to connect knowing that we both have boys that play baseball. What I heard you say is really important to you in business is A, B, and C. What I heard that you hate about this industry is A and B. If I missed anything, please let me know. Otherwise, I look forward to following up with you on this date or with this meeting yeah. uh, regarding this. And so the card is a crisp, succinct demonstration mm-hmm. that I care about who you are because I connected on baseball. I heard what you like. I repeated back what you don't like. And I gave right. you an option to correct me if I miss something, that that's what a good thank you card looks like. So yeah. week one was that card. So week two. And I want to point out too that in order to like pull this off, you have to develop a system behind the system. So like where are your thank you cards? Do you have stamps? Like that There's kind of, calendar like, do, time on Do every you single. have a pen? Do you have cards? Do you have envelopes? Do you have stamps? Like it sounds Start simple. There. But it's and very real. have time real. on your calendar to write the cards. Have time on your calendar. Jack Daly always says, keep them in your car. Write the note right there. He calls it the money back. Which is great. That's great advice. Um, that kind of goes into time management, though. I mean, you have to allow yourself enough time to yep. like, write the card in between appointments. But make sure you've got your stuff prepared. Yeah, uh, I love that because uh, keep it simple, stupid, right? So don't go buy a card. Go buy 100. A lot. Right? <laughs> so the... Week one would be the thank you card, written, handwritten. Mm-hmm. Number two, though, the next week I might uh, send a video tip or something of value. I read this article and I want to share yeah. local knowledge about our industry or about the marketplace, right? Uh, so that's the email. Now I can't do that, right? Uh, week three would be a phone call mm-hmm. saying, hey, Brent, I haven't talked to you in two weeks. Did you receive that article I sent you last week? Right. I really look forward to working with you. Uh, and I might on that appointment is, Hey, it's, can you believe it's already been a month? Can I schedule time to catch up with you uh, for happy hour next week? Yeah. Right. So I'm rescheduling a new appointment because relationships require nurturing. Um, this last 12 months has been weird. It's been months. weird. It's been weird. You know, if anyone, you know, this is obviously being posted here in 2021. So mm-hmm. 2020 was kind of a bust for face to face. Yeah. But I think you can maintain relationships virtually. I don't think you can build easily relationships. Yeah. It's a little uh, more difficult I think you can sure. start relationships. I don't think you can create blossoming, bl- unbelievable friendships. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and what that takes is quality time together. Mm-hmm. So you got to keep on setting the, the, another appointment. Now, one little trick as you progress and maybe, Oh my God, I'm setting too many appointments uh, in that follow-up is also setting recurring appointments. Recurring, yeah, so if you have great. somebody that you guys are really starting to connect and you're starting to work together in the service industry or whatever, and you really want to see them every month, then why would you schedule an appointment every month by a phone call? Why wouldn't you just say, Bryn, like, I really like you. Do you just want to grab Starbucks every first Tuesday of every single month? I can do a recurring calendar right now with my smartphone. Do you want to do that? Yeah. And I think, um, I think that is such a logical idea and it works beautifully. Um, 
I think what stands in the way of that is, oh, what am I going to talk about? Like I get, you know, like people yep. are really nervous. Like what am I? So here's the tip. Like bring, you either bring a review of last month's results of y'all's partnership together, even if that is nothing, mm-hmm. because that is what you Something. talk about. Yeah. It's what you talk about. Um, so if it's a, a realtor lender type situation or whatever, like, Hey, here's the leads that we had. Here's the results. How do you feel about it? I feel good about it. Whatever. Um, that's something great. The other thing is a lesson or a tip or something that you've learned. Like, Hey, I just saw this great speaker about, thank you. You know, his name's Mr. Thank you. It's super awesome. And like, here's, you know, I wanted to share this with you, some stuff that I learned. So try not to stress about it and just have your go-tos. I'm either going to review or I'm going to bring something of value. That way you have something in your back pocket. Yeah. And I love that you said that because I mean, I want you to hear what Bryn just said. If you bring something of value to every meeting, why would they ever not meet with you? Ever. Right. So, uh, and it doesn't have to be original thought process. You know, you just no. referenced a speaker we just yeah. listened to. And uh, and actually, I think the guy's a genius in his own way. Uh, John Israel wrote a great book, If You Struggle With Thank You Cards and Gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote a book called uh, called Mr. Thank You. And it's turned into a TED Talk. So if you want to look that up, the TED Talks project called the, the Mr. Thank You Project. And basically all I did was, not all I did, because super it took hours of his day every day. Yeah. But for 365 days, John Israel wrote five thank you cards every single day. The rules were five a day. If he missed a day, he had to give $1,000 to charity. Uh, he could not write the same letter to more than the, the, the same person more than three times in a year. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and he writes in his book and talks about TED Talk, the, the things that he learned. And I think it's super interesting. Like we all know that that handwritten art is a lost art. Like I just learned that's. I didn't know this about our own public schooling system here in Texas, that there were a couple of years that my kids attended school that they didn't teach writing cursive. Oh, absolutely. Like, it blows my mind and I'm and, angry and, about and it. And KK missed it. Yeah. They stopped in the years that she was in school, picked it up. Again. With, yeah, they picked it up. So Weston and Walker are both learning it. But here's what I think is even crazier. Like in my, in my head, I can think, okay, I can logically see why like his cursive would go because we're moving to a more digital platform. But they're not teaching keyboarding either. Right. They're not teaching how to type. That's crazy. So now we're not reading. Now we're not ty- or now we're not writing. Now we're not typing. Right. <laughs> it's weird. Don't worry. You're just going to do social media. They blog. don't have signatures. Because yeah. all they know how to do is print. That's crazy. It's weird shit. It's weird. It's super weird. So that needs to be corrected. Yes, it does. Texas. It has been corrected. Well, the cursive they're has. They're getting better. But yeah, so my, my point though is going back to John Israel, you know, there's a couple of cool things that come up in there. And one of the things that uh, we've been talking about, about I claim to like you, but I never call you, right? Follow up. Mm-hmm. I claim that I want to be a realtor for life, but I never email you or mail you or let you know when your values went up because of lack of follow up. I did all right. this work to get you to an appointment, but I never call you again, never follow up again. You. Uh, or do what I said I was going to do in that appointment, lack of follow-up, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I learned, and it's a quote from uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, is something that once you hear it, you can't unhear it. And I love the, and this the is quote. What John Israel, Israel and John Israel said, said yeah, yeah, that's what I'm quoting so him. Is, it says, uh, I'm sorry I can't hear you because who you are speaks too loudly. Mm-hmm. And so don't claim to be somebody that you're not and certainly don't make promises that you don't follow up with and keep. Oh, that's right? the worst, yeah. Don't and so I think that's a great way to, to end this little session. But just being clear that uh, if you are great at one of the four parts of a sale, 
if you're average at two of the three parts of a sale and you suck ass at the one quarter of, <laughs> of the four parts of a sale, you are always going to be average at best in this yeah. industry or yeah. any industry that you're yeah, in. Yeah, because I really think that what what you lack in closing skills, you, you can, can make you up can for make and up follow, and follow up. up. Yep, you, you lack can. in your building rapport. You can make up in follow-up. You can, follow up. You yep. can 100%. Um, and I will finish with this. I think there's probably two reasons that people don't follow up. And the first one is nerves and anxiety around what to say, how to say it. Like there, And that is a real thing. It's like, well, I've already met with them once. What the hell am I going to say again? What am I going to say two days from now when I call them again? We just met. So that's a real thing. And get over it. Like here's your one-liner. I was just thinking about you. That's yeah. it. I was just thinking about you. I wanted to call you. That's all you have to say. And just let the conversation. And they'll engage or they won't. Or they won't. Um, the other reason is lack of organization. Yep. And so don't go big. Best go intentions. Best intentions. Yep. For sure. For sure. We all have best intentions. But as far as organization goes, don't go big. Go really small as far as what you're going to commit your business to. Like, I'm just going to start by writing everybody a thank you note. Yeah. That's it. Master that, then move on, but get your system in place, get organized around follow-up. Otherwise, don't make the calls in the first place because it's yep. a freaking waste of time. Yep. Guys, I hope that was very helpful. Uh, we will see you next time on Sigmund Sense. Until then, we'd love to hear any of your stories. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, for um, sure. How can they reach us? Sigmundsense at gmail.com. And then um, yeah. make sure you subscribe and like and tell all your friends and all of that good stuff. And hope you're enjoying the episodes. Yeah, I certainly am. And now I'm going to go pick up my kiddos from baseball. So I'm going to go watch some baseball. Bye, guys.